Hi, my name is Jenny Kwong for Artslink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary on Treaty 7 lands and Métis Region 3. Co-host Nathan Taylor is away this month. For this episode, I have an interview with a filmmaker with a short film launching on the day this interview will air on the radio, Monday, May 22nd, and the film will be shown on the nfb.ca website. Before that, we will hear from Marissa Couples from the Fairy Tales Queer Film Festival as they celebrate 25 years as a festival in June. After that, we'll hear from Denise Clark and Maisie Rain about a new play from One Yellow Rabbit. Today, I am speaking with Marissa Couples from Fairy Tales Queer Film Festival in Cowie. So, welcome, Marissa. Okay, thank you for having us on the show. And so, I guess, tell us about the film festival this year. Um, so, this is the 25th year um, of the Fairy Tales Queer Film Festival. So, that's, yeah, um, in Calgary. And it's, um, yeah, been going for 25 years. So, yeah, that's really exciting. Um, and we've got a great mix of, of history and um, new contemporary films happening this year. Listeners who are familiar with the film festival, they have no, uh, known it to be happening in May, but... Uh, the the date uh, the festival has been moved up to June, and so that's uh, to coincide with uh, Pride Month. Yeah, um, yeah, we decided um, just um, for I think last year we started uh, moving the festival into June just to coincide with World uh, Pride Month, and um, yeah, it's been really good actually. It's been really helpful for us yeah, just to um, just to generate more interest because there's already. Um, people are, you know, even more uh, hyper-aware of um, wanting to celebrate uh, queer art and queer artists during June. So it's, um, yeah, it's been really nice to um, connect with, um, you know, connect with World Pride Month in that way. And so I guess um, every year uh, there is a volunteer programming committee that looks through all the films that are uh, sent into the show. Um, So I guess tell us uh, how the programming committee uh, worst uh, this year? It was, yeah, it was amazing. Um, honestly, I feel like we're so fortunate because every year um, we have a lot of, um, well, we have a lot of returning um, volunteer programming committee members. Um, and it's always made up of just, yeah, just the most amazing people um, from Calgary and actually some from around Canada. We've actually, I think we actually have one person from, uh, yeah, we have one person from the U.S. this year as well. So um, it's a really amazing group of um queer um, artists, uh, filmmakers, people who are, you know, completely not involved in the arts and do, um, you know, other amazing things like healthcare. Um, but basically, we just have, like, a huge diversity of um, basically, like, all walks of life of queer people coming together and watching hundreds of films and discussing them every single week really passionately. So our programming is really unique in that way. So you get to see films that have been really, um, really like thoughtfully discussed and poured over by a, a huge group of, of queer people. And yeah, so it, it's an amazing experience because I think it makes the, the quality, ensures that the quality of the films is um, really high and that you're getting a really unique selection of films every year. And also it's just a really great um, community building experience to, yeah, to just be with, yeah, to be with so many brilliant people and just, yeah, uh, talk about queer films together. So we're really fortunate. Um, and yeah, it's been a wonderful experience. And tell us about some of the films in the lineup for the festival this year. 
Um, so we have a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of great films. Um, uh, one that I'm really excited about, we're going to show on our opening night, which is June 9th. Um, it's called Glitter and Doom. Um, and it's just, um, it, it'll be, when we get it, it'll be the Alberta premiere. And it'll, it'll have just shown at Inside Out in Toronto. Um, and it's like a romantic, like fun summer musical that is all um, done to the music of the Indigo Girls. Um, and it's got um, a lot of uh, like amazing queer um, like comedians and performers in it. It's got um, Leia Delaria and Tig Notaro. Um, so I think that's going to be really fantastic. Um, we have a film. Yeah, we have a film that was at uh, TIFF. It's called Something You Said Last Night. We're going to show the uh, Alberta premiere of that. Yeah, and that I'm really looking forward to. We've also got um, some really great documentaries that will show uh, show folks, uh, um, you know, sides of queer history that have not been you know, explored as much as I, I think we need to. Um, so there's one called In Her Words, and it's just like a really rich tapestry bibliography of um, of lesbian fiction novels from the, from the 20th century. Um, and I think that's going to be really amazing. Um, there's also one called Esther Newton Made Me Gay, and it's about Esther Newton, who's like a really um, trailblazing queer American cultural anthropologist. And she's also a dog agility trainer. And I think she's someone people are going to be really excited to learn about. Um, and then we've got some amazing uh, shorts packages from all over the world that, yeah, that are really interesting. We've got one that's about documentary shorts, one that is like a really, it's like an all ages crowd pleaser, like, like a really good package for anybody. We've got one of like, really subversive, unconventional shorts and one that's all, uh, all about love, like a date night package. And, um, yeah, I think there's, there's, uh, it's a really, really rich and unique lineup. And I think people are going to be um, really happy. I think we've got like 60 something films. So yeah, I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be a really good festival. So after 25 years, how do the festival, uh, find ways to attract a new audience to the festival? Um, we're always, um, honestly, in the past few years, and I think in general, like the festival is always uh, growing and experimenting and, you know, trying new things because we really want to yeah, always have that um, vitality and, and spirit and, and bring lots of new people in. Um, something that we make sure to do every year that we've been experimenting a lot with is um, just finding ways to connect the local queer arts community and arts community in general with, um, yeah, with the international um, queer artists and filmmakers that we have. Um, so this year we're doing a collaboration with Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers, and we're just going to be, it's going to be an evening that's just uh, focusing on Calgary and area uh, queer filmmakers and showing their short films. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And um, Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers was, um, um, like, they were really instrumental in, um, you know, the, the very first time the festival happened for like a two-day uh, weekend that was... Um, mostly folks from Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers. So, um, yeah, we're really excited about that. And I guess tell us the festival dates and the venue. Um, so the festival's happening from June 9th to 18th um, at the Globe Cinema in Calgary, Alberta, and it'll be all, uh, all evening showtimes. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Marissa, for your time today. And I so hope much. to see you at the festival. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, we can't wait to see you there. Hi, this is Jenny again, and that was my chat with Marissa Couples from the Fairy Tales Film Festival. It will take place June 9th to June 18th, 2023, at the Globe Cinema in Calgary. Visit www.fairytalesfilmfest.com for more information.
Hi, my name is Jenny Kwong for ArtsLink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. Today I'm speaking with Denise Clark and Maisie Rain about their performance at One Yellow Rabbit. So welcome both of you to the show. Thanks, Hi. Jenny. Thank you. And I guess, uh, Denise, uh, start off by talking about what this uh, performance is about. Okay, well... It's a um, illumination of a novel by a great Canadian writer, a, a woman writer named Elizabeth Smart, that was published in the early 40s. And it was kind of considered a seminal text of on erotic love at the time. And it's a very intensely poetic piece, a great little read, a slim, more of a novella than a novel. And um, we put it on the stage with the actors. I'm the director of it. And um, the actors are kind of illuminating the text. They're questioning one another. They're making an inquiry into the text. And they're quoting from liberally from the book. So it's a, a very beautiful little performance piece about a great Canadian book. And Maisie, what is it like to explore this text as someone who may be not as familiar with the text? Uh, well, before we started the process for this last year, I hadn't even heard of Elizabeth Smart. So being exposed to her poetry and also being able to read it in a group as well as um, dissect it in a group made it a much more accessible opportunity for the, to like access the literature. And yeah, it's just been very eye-opening. It's the kind of text that every time you go back to it, you go, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, some of the uh, novels or works of uh, writing at the start of the 20th uh, century, they can be uh, difficult to access for yeah. uh, modern audiences. So I've read a few of those before. So yeah. guess, um, So uh, how do you bring this text to a, a newer audience, I guess? Well, I'll take that, uh, Jenny. So we we let the uh, actors do all the same kind of questioning that the audience might be doing, which is just uh, talking to one another in a somewhat pedestrian way, a naturalistic way, uh, asking one another questions, um, interpreting, making interpretive decisions together. Wait a minute, did we think that about that? And how was she in this situation? And what do we think of that? And And then they will refer back to some of the beautiful writing to kind of illuminate those questions and those answers. Okay. And there's also some choreography and some movement and some music, so it's there's lots to see on stage. It's not a it's not talking heads necessarily. Okay. And so what were the different aspects of the performance that you got to showcase in this work? Yeah. Um well we got to showcase the writing itself and the poetry itself, which in a way that really highlights it and allows us to um, like adore the writing itself in a way that's almost cheesy. But sometimes, you know, when you read something, you're just like, oh, my God, that's so good. Um, we really get to explore that and share it with the audience as well as create clarification. And like Denise said, we have a couple movement pieces. Um, and if yeah. I can leap in, yeah. that it, all of that plus, from my perspective, 
the uh, work has come out of this work that we do with what we, Maisie is a member of the beautiful young artist ensemble that Wanyola Rabbit uh, runs. It's a, a program that we run. And um, we have this incredible group of six artists who are kind of amazing on stage. So the biggest showcase in my mind is them and getting to see these emerging artists really take the stage with a lot of authority and a lot of uh, grace and a lot of fun. They, they're cool people, and they're invigorating to watch. And so how long did you get to work with this group of artists uh, who are your peers, I guess? Yeah. Um, just in June. It'll be a year since we first got together to like fully work on this project. Um, a lot of the group got together in what was it, March of last year? Mm-hmm. And then I joined as the stage manager and an ensemble member in June. And then we put this show up for only one show last year. Um, and it was a completely sold out house. So we're remounting it this year so that more people can see it. And I guess, um, um, uh, what are, you mentioned different aspects, music as well as choreography. So how does that uh, weave into the um, the uh, the more theatrical aspects? Well, the narrative will sometimes veer into, for example, um, a beautiful text about the erotic um, coupling. This, the, These two people are so wildly attracted to one another. And Smart has been able to write about that through the lens of them sitting together. She's trying to type for him. And um, while the text is being written, read, uh, read uh, or spoken on stage, the rest of the company are sitting in chairs, very subtly moving in a very erotic way. It's a very subtle unison movement piece that just, again, I'd use the word illuminate, that illuminates the text in a very, very nuanced way and allows you uh, to to sort of enter into the sensuality of the piece. The music's beautiful, and it just elevates the work off the page and into the space for the performers to really find themselves in it and move individually, even though it's unison movement. Another piece is a sort of a silly uh, homage to Bing Crosby, who's mentioned in the book, uh, an old crooner from the, the time, and they they dance kind of faux charmingly to it. Yeah, I'd say a lot of it is really... It's almost like a book club or like an advanced placement English class talking about a book and discussing it with each other and then having moments that go into a daydream sort of space that we share with the audience so that you can really visualize what's happening in the text because it is so dense at some points that you can really see what's going on and understand um, with the assistance yeah, of the a great people way on stage. Yeah, yep. Uh, with the second time of putting it on, I guess it'll be uh, in the summertime. And so uh, what do you um, hope people um, find in this piece? Oh, it's a good question. Everyone uh, probably has a very individual take. We would like people to be reminded of erotic love, their own erotic love. And we would like people to feel that feeling one has, say, with a friend who gets involved in something that you may be feeling a little judgy about, but then also be able to find your way into a compassionate sort of take on, oh, well, you know, this is what, unfortunately, humans can do is make some serious mistakes in the romance department. 
but would you not have done it? You know, would you would you cancel the notion of falling madly and wildly and passionately and kind of obsessively in love? Mm, that's maybe the one of the questions we're exploring. And what was it like you to uh, explore romance and and eroticism? It was really fantastic to do it as a group because you get to have a lot of discussions um, about what we've been through as individuals and our philosophies on being in love and obsessive love, particularly. Um, and yeah, just being able to talk with each other and be like, well, I'd like to be an obsessive love if I could get back out of it. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, that doesn't make it obsessive love anymore. <laughs> like obsessive love, you're in it and you can't do anything about it. And you just kind of have to surrender to it, which I think the piece goes into really well. And yeah. Yeah, not necessarily the most fun to find yourself in that kind of an entanglement, but Again, it's a very interesting question that we do pose for our, the, the company does pose over and over to each other and kind of to the audience. What do you think, though? Would you rather never have this experience or would you take it if you could get it? And I guess um, uh, any uh, last thoughts before we wrap up this interview? No, just that we want everybody listening to Please Come because it's a very cool little piece. It's about an hour long and it runs four nights from, I think you have the dates there. May 24th to the 27th. There you go. At 7.30? At 7.30 at the Big Secret Theater in Arts Commons. And be prepared to have a really fun night. Stick around after with us. Have a a beer and uh, a good chat. Yeah, you can learn more at One Yellow Rabbit on Instagram. Uh, Thanks, uh, Denise and Maisie, for your time today. Thank you. Hi, this is Jenny, and that was my chat with Denise Clark and Maisie Rain from One Yellow Rabbit. Maisie Rain is part of the beautiful young artist ensemble that Denise Clark has led for a year in theater making. The show is called She Fell Down and Wept and runs May 24th to May 27th at the Big Secret Theater at Arts Commons. Visit www.oyr.org for more information. Now, here's my interview with Wei Yu Su, a filmmaker about his short documentary, A Passage Beyond Fortune, about Chinese Canadians in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and the unjust laws placed on people of Chinese descent before the end of the Second World War, including the Chinese Immigration Act of 1923 commonly known as the Exclusion Act. So I guess, uh, first of all, uh, introduce yourself and tell me a bit about your film. My name is Wei Su. I'm a documentary and an artist. Um, my project, A Passage Beyond Fortune, is about, this, it's about a story that took place in Moose Jaw, follow uh, two Chinese elders, Gail Chow and Muna Chow, um, you know, relocated to their home, uh, their new home in Regina, while really um, reflect on their uh, ancestors and their personal uh, memory about Mushra. And how did you meet the family, the Chow family and Mushra? I think I met them through the 
Chinese uh, Mushra Chinese uh, Network Association. And so, uh, what was it like to get to know them? I get along with Gail Chow right away in our first meeting. He's this really loving, um, you know, elder who willing to share this their story in Mushra. I, I yeah, I think I think it was uh it's a right away connection uh between us. I mean we both uh for our Chinese name, the last character of the same. So I, I I always think it as you know um a faith that sort of connect us together. Yeah. And so uh what was it like to get to know them? I mean it, it was great to to get to know them because um because i think it's always important to learn about the the chinese history in canada so really through their family story and community story uh it definitely you know reflect a sense of what chinese especially early chinese immigrants um experience in canada um and there's such a loving you know strong family to get all together so you know it was nice to meet the sons it was nice to connect with Gail and Mona um yeah they're very friendly and very open-minded persons so and so what is some of the history of Moose Jaw that you uh, learned about through this documentary um I'm I mean we all have little bit of knowledge about the exclusion ad um but you know to really understand what is exclusion ad you know you have to learn from the personal experience it was really important to to learn about that part but uh, but um for this particular particularly for this documentary I really learned about the white female labor law, which is, um, you know, another law that uh, forbade Chinese restaurant owners to hire white laborers, white woman laborers, um, you know, because of the fear of the Chinese at that time. And this law has not, you know, really been talked about for a long time. Um, so that was something that was unknown to me. Um, yeah. And uh, this year marks the 100th anniversary of the Exclusion Act. And so were you aware of the timing of this uh, documentary that you are releasing? Um, yes, I, I am aware of this year is the 100 years anniversary. But I don't think we plan to release this film just on the anniversary. Right. Um, I think whether it's a hundred years anniversary or two hundred years or whatever, you know, for how long, um we should remember, you know, every year like what you know what have been happened, you know, in the past and appreciate what we have right now in our life. Okay. And never make the same mistakes. And so what was your experience as a filmmaker before this? Um, well, 
I have always, um, you know, being a filmmaker, um, I'm an artist. Uh, so before this film, I made an other documentaries about um, COVID-19, uh, Chinese uh, experience of COVID-19. Um, yeah. Uh, what are some like uh, ideas you have um, going forward to uh, more films that you might have uh, to make? I think as a BIPOC filmmaker, um, it's always important to tell BIPOC stories. So, you know, as a, as a documentarian, I want to continue to tell BIPOC stories, you know, story that, that have not been told and should be told. Um, so the film will be shown at, in Moose Jaw on the 24th. That's the, at the Cultural Center? Yes. And so, um, uh, 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 how has the community of Moose Jaw um, responded to this uh, documentary? Um, I, I, I think the response so far is good. I, I know a lot of people um, are excited to see this film uh, in person. Um, and we have been working closely with the uh, with the Chinese community in Mushra, uh to bring this this film to them to the you know to the town. What was the shooting of the film like? Uh, how long did it take to uh, record the film? Um, I think it 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 takes four years, four, four five years. Uh, yeah, close to five years. Did you spend a lot of time with the community uh, making the film? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, we've we followed the communities for a while. Uh, but prior to that, I have been, you know, started the community uh for a long time, to, you know, to really understand what's the history, interviewed it, a uh, whole bunch of uh, people who still live in Moose Jaw, um, to get to know their story and uh, get a sense of, you know, what is what was the community like um and what is what happening to the community now once it uh starts streaming on the nfb website uh where else do you see this uh film going uh with it launching so soon yeah we are trying to push these films uh for campus viewing because I think it's really important for the future generation to learn about the history in the past. Because like you mentioned it earlier, it going is is the hundred and hundred years anniversary of you know the exclusion act. But many people don't really know about the Chinese community's history. Um and it's important that we just not learn about, you know, a title or a name or an event that happened in the place, you know, in that took place in the past, but most importantly, to really understand the personal experience. I think that's more important. That's it uh, from me for questions. Uh, anything else you'd like to say before we end this interview? No, I think that's pretty much about it. Thanks for talking with me and hopefully I'll see more films from you. Yeah. Yeah.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is Jenny, and that was my interview with Wei Yusu about his documentary "A Passage Beyond Fortune," which will launch and begin streaming on the NFB website on Monday, May twenty-second, and will have an in-person screening at the Moose Jaw Cultural Center on Wednesday, May twenty-fourth. Visit nfb.org for more information and to view the film when it is available. My name is Jenny Kwong, and you've been listening to ArtsLink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. To send in your suggestions and advice on what you'd like to hear on the show, email artslinkradio at gmail.com. That's it for me for this month. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye.